Good evening, everyone. I'm Let's Talk Assassin's Creed. And I'm Louise from the Rookery's Archives. And this is a joint reaction to the season pass. So we I've do collabs in the past, and I know uh, Louise has been on a few coll collabs uh, with Vision. But instead of doing a collab, we'll come together and we're going to react on all of the news from the season pass. And it's going to be on both my podcast on Spotify and... On my YouTube, which will be linked on my Twitter. And I'll link it on my Twitter as well. <laughs> so, first things first. What a week for Assassin's Creed news. Like, I'm blown away. We've had a trailer for more gameplay, a deep dive, and now the season pass in under a week. Things are definitely ramping up, and they're ramping up quickly. Because it's, what, three weeks until the game comes out? I'm really excited. I'm far more excited now than I was three days ago like they definitely uh, know the attention of where it is and it's very much at Valhalla at the moment I think the problem that Ubisoft had is the release in Watchdog Legion and then two weeks later Valhalla so it is where do you fit um, all the marketing for two huge games that are so close together mm, that's a very good point because I've noticed until the last fortnight, it has been very much Watch Dogs. And then in the last couple of weeks or so, has been more Valhalla orientated. So I think they have sort of struggled with that balance. But it's definitely keeping the attention on one game rather than splitting it and reducing the media attention. Which is always the best approach because everyone now wants to play Valhalla. I'm not being rude. Legion has okay marketing but we have just a lot of the trailers for like Aiden Pierce being in it has just been the same intro mission where Valhalla is dropping some massive bombshells from you could probably correct me the names but uh, the your is it your vine and Asgard yeah um oh I actually can't remember it definitely <laughs> <laughs> great start we're professionals I promise yeah <laughs> um but yeah Asgard looks absolutely gorgeous. They've um, surprise announcement that America is in it somehow, and then some big announcements in the um, from the deep dive trailer and from the post launch stuff from today because it's been four hours since the trailer came out for us at the I time of recording. So, yeah. um, I remember watching it and getting really jittery, and I don't think. Like that, like adrenaline rush of excitement has gone yet. I before the trailer was dropped, I was planning to do an episode yesterday, but I ran out of time with some concerns, and I'm happy to see my concerns are gone because oh, originally, good. when you look at Origins and Odyssey, you have a grounded, then a fantasy style DLC with the Hidden Ones and the Curse of Pharaohs, mm. um, the Hidden. Uh, the Brotherhood one in Order of the first, the first Hidden Blade one in Odyssey. I totally forgot its name then, and then Atlantis, and because as you said, mythology is in main game. How can they do mythology and grounded for DLC? But they might have solved that with Island. Yeah, I think because everyone was a bit, I think, taken aback when Asgard was announced. Because it was like, oh, we've got Mercy and Wessex, and suddenly Asgard appears. 
and there was no sort of surprise here's a new location for you that's the home of the Aesir and the Vanir which are the two like god patrons like sections of gods in Norse mythology um and there's no real like path of how we were going to get there but I think with what they've shown us already from the um island DLC with the Celts and the Druids no the Druids um they may have solved that sort of pathway because one thing I definitely got from it and from like the framing of the trailer was very much Curse of the Pharaohs DLC. It's kind of, I wonder whether or not we will be coming through from Ireland into a, a different, not reality, not sort of dimension, but sort of, again, travelling from one world to the next. I could see that, and. On a very old episode, I talked about fantasy and mythology that could be in Valhalla. And one of the things I'm hammering that I want to see is All Hallows' Eve. Um, which might not work until we look at the DLC with Ireland. Because we know that All Hallows' Eve does have roots in Ireland through pagan and Gaelic myth. Which seems to be evident in the trailer. And they have a haunted Yeah, forest. they did promise a lot of like slightly spookier and arguably a little bit darker of a look at stuff. So All Hallows Eve could work. And I, I made a, um, in the idea, I suggested that All Hallows Eve always talks about the veil between humans and, being, and the spirits and the humans being weakest. And you could put that in Assassin's Creed with the real world we live in now being weak against the Nexus or the Grave or the Isu R already if they're dead maybe we could have that that maybe the isu are seeping out through this one day a year and it's causing terror in ireland and that's what that cult is trying to harvest this whole influence over one day of the year where they could just make tons of mischief Ooh, that's a very interesting take i never actually considered that but i think that could actually work on like a wider scale of things of like other mythologies around the world that have things like Day of the Dead and Halloween that we now celebrate. Like from a wider scale that could be a justifiable explanation of like why this myth occurred. Because arguably all myths have some sort of truth in it and some explanation and the Easter were just one explanation. And we have seen that Valhalla is gonna be super grounded with a seer using concoctions of mushrooms and herbs, which arguably can be classed as historical accuracy, because there's nothing saying that if I drank a potion in the middle of a woods, I'm not going to see Zeus or Thor. <laughs> it could yeah. happen. Yeah, and there are like scientific and biological reactions to mushrooms and stuff like that that can invoke like psychosis and envisions, and some of them do have figures depending on your religion and where you grew up and what you believe in you can have an important figure in your life or it could be a deity that you have um an affiliated faith to now let's put it out there for the island while we talk about the other one what if this magic cult in ireland is poisoning everyone to hallucinate and they're using halloween as a way to try and co- control the populace they're all just drugged up seeing spirits everywhere hmm <laughs> Possibly not, but sounds fun. Yeah, it would be an interesting turn, or maybe like 
one subsection of the DLC because it's not just one path like it is with the Beowulf DLC. It's a lot bigger and it's a lot wider. Like it's a full area that's being unlocked for this one DLC. But it could be like a sub train, which could because... be. So similar to how they had the Duat and the Afterlife for Curse of the Pharaohs, you had that huge area of um, Egypt that had a good storyline. We had like the mini enclosed subsection with the Duat and the different afterlifes. Hmm. And that also then brings me on to the question of what if we are going to have Isu in this game, and we are going to have Isu in this DLC, which Greek, not Greek, <laughs> wrong game, uh, which Irish and Celtic myths are we going to see? Because you could have like Finn McCool and Queenie Maeve and things like this. The origin of Giant's Causeway, perhaps. The There's I- so many different ways it could go with this. The origin of Giant's Causeway will be an interesting one because I have always theorised that a lot of the myths around culture in Assassin's Creed could be advanced technology. So Anisu may have tried to help people of the past to get from Ireland to Scotland causing the uh, Giant's Causeway that maybe just never was sex- successful, leaving a legend of two t- uh, two giants throwing stones at each other. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. I quite like that. I I always try and put a spin that Odyssey did show that it's really over-the-top. Medusa was a human hybrid. But I've always tried to look at what if the best explanation for Isu science is... <laughs> Over the top, yes, but there's a reason for it. Like Thor's hammer, you couldn't really see an Isu running around with a hammer of lightning. It just doesn't make logic sense. Mm. But Giant's Causeway to help civilization get from one island to the other makes a lot of logic sense. It's something a civilization could try and do. Yeah. Oh, I just want the game. <laughs> Me too. It's been two years since an Assassin's Creed game has been released, like a full game. I think we're all we're all very desperate for something at this point. <laughs> but I think it's worked in the favour. We're all sitting here like biting our nails in hype. We're seeing the level of detail and what they can do. If they did it a yearly release, I really don't think we could see as much as we're seeing. Yeah, I think that... Oh yeah, I completely agree. The two-year break they took between Origins and this like in the release schedule has undeniably been worth it like if they had released it in 2019 i don't think we would have seen this level of detail we probably wouldn't have seen this level of you know care um media attention sure it's releasing within a fortnight of both um watchdogs legion and cyberpunk which comes out the week after but it's detail they obviously have this plan of longevity as i don't know if anyone else picked up in the post-launch trailer they said something about year one and the um like the the map of the timeline of releases went off the page hinting that they might be doing something longevity which could be more like releases like seasonal releases or it could be perhaps like the um gods fights in origins whether a weekly or monthly occurrence but they keep going 
that would I, I did see that and I was very concerned because how it was announced was season and I'll put that in quotation marks and to me that sounds like it's going to be timed to a season and I was worried that after that season's over are they going to strip the content away so if you come back in two years you'll miss all that year one stuff or would it be a permanent system of year one you're getting this year two you're getting this and year three you get this because um access the animus who did the recap um as you rightly said free seasonal content for season one is a new settlement area traditional viking festival the yule festival river raids um addition of the ranks for the yarms viking and Jones, plays yeah, from the so maybe what it isn't time but as you said maybe this is a new way of giving this some longevity so river raids more to do after the end game uh, additional ranks for the viking your raiders more to do and more emphasis on pushing your players out but does this create an issue where uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is becoming becoming a live service game oh I hope not <laughs> I'm for like being able to come back and have this incentive to replay the game I mean I'll do that anyway like I'm still replaying 2 I'm still replaying Syndicate even though it's 5 years old this week like the 23rd of October it's it's 5th year anniversary Um, but I think there's a difference in manufacturing longevity and having this um, incentive for people to come back. So if you're just saying, oh yeah, we're going to make it in the mindset of they are going to come back and play this because we're going to do things for the next two, three, four years. Like People have speculated that the Avengers game did get released in September, but if we're doing like things like with the godfights from origins where they repeat every so often so if you miss it last time don't worry it'll come up in a few weeks or months and you can try again obviously it probably won't work for things like the yuletide festival which is a you know it's what we now call christmas or the december holidays you probably couldn't run that around august it probably have to be a once a year thing but open for a couple of weeks so it gives time for people to come back and play it if they want to. Yeah, and I think that's where my um, concern comes in. Like live service games have this, um, I think it's known as business FOMO, where it's fear of missing out. And you ne- you hit it on the head before, Watch Dogs Legion, then Valhalla, then Cyberpunk. If you add all this free seasonal content, but take it away after that season, players who haven't been able to invest in the game straight away i'm missing so much content so if i couldn't come into season two and i miss out on a new settlement area a new river raid and a new rank for my yarms viking that's a lot of content down the pan and that's just big content let's not even talk about things like exclusive tattoos or titles or quest lines that are timed or even gear that looks cool so like yeah uh, it's gonna sound daft but maybe a double-handed sword that has a weird christmas tree skin to it you know oh, it's, that would be amazing <laughs> it's silly it's light-hearted but or if I thinking can't... of like a mythology christmasy bit a bow with like a poisoning effect but mistletoe 
because there is one Norse myth where Baldur, basically the most beloved of all the gods, is only able to be killed by mistletoe and Loki um, tricks someone into firing a poisoned arrow, poisoned by mistletoe, arrow at Baldur, which just kills him. It would be an interesting, like, slight Christmassy theme because mistletoe is something we hang at Christmas time now. I could see that working. I could also see, which I'll probably get told this can't happen, but maybe a German has come over seas to England and talks about, um, I'm going to forget his name, or Krampus. And ah. maybe somebody, not Krampus himself, but somebody takes it upon himself to reenact the Krampus legend. So he's not a real beast, but it's just a man using the myth of Krampus to punish people he sees bad. So a really bad vigilante at Christmas. That, that would be quite that'd be quite amusing as like a small quest line. It yeah. sort of brings back like the Spring Hill Jack stuff from Syndicate. Find the man of the myth. It'd be yeah. amazing. Go find Krampus. <laughs> Happy holidays. I, I, would to- I would totally play that. And like, I, I, I would hope- too. It sounds so much fun. I, I hope some of this stuff stays around because I like the idea of river raids. You know, keep coming back to river raids and a new settlement. And I really don't mind if seasonal stuff is not coming out every week because that makes total sense. Like, it's a Christmas. I don't want to be chasing blooming Christmas beasties at summer <laughs> <laughs> but at summer you could have um, pagan festivals yeah because Stonehenge is in the game and probably one of the most things that Stonehenge is most famous for is its um, solstice celebrations particularly the summer solstice on July 20, June 21st sorry, like people queue up from like 3am to go and if you did something with like standing in the right place or bringing the right in- um, instrument equipment or just general tat to <laughs> I don't know what the word is it's things like the random um, loot that you get like jewels or trinkets as like an offering or there's a certain person there you have to meet a um, an escort mission you know there's so much stuff you can do for this um one of the things that I keep coming back to with Stonehenge, because um, there's been so much questions on what it is. Like, it's been around several thousand years and nobody actually knows. Um, what if they do something like the Doctor Who route with the Pandorica episodes and they have, like, something underneath that opens on yeah. the equinox or the solstice? That would work, because I have theorised that it could be an Esau cryogenic vault powered by a ley line because everyone knows the biggest thing in English mythology is ley lines. Spiritual lines crisscross in England that intersect at Stonehenge. Yeah, and there's more stone circles across the country. So what's not to say that there is the quest line of gather things from each of these stone circles, perhaps even from, like, bring something from Norway, bring something from Ireland and America or France when it comes out but we'll get to that and bring it to Stonehenge for this day or like this certain period well if hire me Ubisoft hello if they do (laughs) that some good stuff if they do anything like that and I have referenced it twice but I can't find the links 
we know in Origins we have a TARDIS in the in the Rune Isle. There is there's an underwater location with the inscri- the inscribing of a TARDIS. So what we need under Stonehenge is half a skeleton to resemble the Cyberman that was stabbed in the door. We need that. Centurion bo- armor, Pandorica. Yeah. yeah, we need Centurion armor. Um, we there's need- your Easter egg. Or a little box in the corner that looks like the Pandorica. <laughs> or even just a legend that Pandora's box lives under Stonehenge. Even if it's just a text like that, we can all think of Doctor Who with the Pandorica opens. Yeah, the myth of the last centurion was sighted at Stonehenge and then vanished into thin air. No, it's Rory having a sunbreak. <laughs> I think the one that I would squeal at the most is if you went down to Stonehenge. And there's nothing there but tons of stone statues all around. The Weeping Angels. Oh, God. Or even, as you remember in Pandora Opens, when the light goes out, everyone just turns to stone. The Dalek. Yes. If you just had random stone statues around the bottom of Stonehenge, it would just be the biggest Doctor Easter egg ever. <laughs> I hope that would be amazing. <laughs> Somebody better be listening to this. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a one. <laughs> so, before we get too off topic, let's slide over to France. Yes, because there are three DLCs that were mentioned in this trailer. We've talked about one for nearly 20 minutes. <laughs> there's, there's three? Um, I thought there was two. Uh, three, including Beowulf. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I the really second don't... new one was the Siege of Paris. Now, um, I don't know if you've played, like, watched Vikings before. I haven't. No, I'm just at Lindisfarne. So when mm. they arrive at Lindisfarne in season one. But um, the Siege of Paris that um, appears in the show is not the same one that appears or will appear in this DLC. Because that Siege of Paris was in 845. This is 30 years later. 30, mm. 40 years later in the 880s. Which would so, be 10 years after Valhalla, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm quite interested to see... First of all, Paris. Charles the Fat. Hello. Um, <laughs> you laugh, but that's his actual like moniker from his name. No. It is. <laughs> I thought it was just a nickname. When you've got people like Ethelred the Unready, you are going to have Charles the Fat. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> That, that's a cool king name. It's unfortunate, but it's quite funny. <laughs> um, but no, I'm really excited. I've, I'm first of all can't wait for the photo made stuff that's going to come out of this. Memento Gallery. I am looking at you. I cannot wait. <laughs> I, I think before we do to talk more about France, I would like to apologise to all my listeners. Access the Animus accidentally posted it as 30 years before Valhalla, and I got seriously confused. Like, how the heck can Eivor be in Siege of Paris 30 years before Valhalla? I thought about that, actually. Because there were, like, um, pieces of art and, like, concept art that were released around the same time by Access the Animus, Codex, and things like that. And it doesn't look like Eivor. Well, it's not the robes that we're used to. Which, if they did do it as the 845 siege, what if it's not Eivor? What if it's something like Basim or someone other in 
the Brotherhood or the Pre-Brotherhood. Have you been reading my messages and the uh, the ones that came before? On, uh, this I think we I both just... came to the conclusion at the same time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because like... I was thinking, hold on a minute, if it's not, that's too early for Abel, so what if, quick over to Discord, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bassett. Come on, it's Bassett. We... Face uh... him. <laughs> but sadly, no, no, it's ten years after Valhalla, which Basin could did... still be there, survives, survives, um, provided he survives the main campaign. It's not looking pretty, but oh. it could lead into a theory I made on Twitter. Someone suggested um, about King Ilfred being killed by Eivor, um, oh. and Ash did politely say. No one knows the true death of Aelfred, of how he died. It's the Mercian king, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, because he basically just upped and left to France, and he just disappeared, pretty much. And then Ethelflaed and Alfred took over Mercia around this period. It's plausible. If he disappears from the main campaign, he'll resurface here, most likely. Well, I did suggest that what if... The cult that's in the game um, is threatening Wessex, and the only way he can secure Wessex's future is if he usurps the throne. If he usurps the throne, they can't influence his court and push him out. But the way of doing that is to create Eivor as a martyr. So Eivor kills Ilfred, and then, Il- then his job for Ilfred after he kills him is to run to the shadows and be part of the Brotherhood, which would then mean in France, when you see this uh, person on the rooftops of uh, Assassin Robes is Eivor reliving his promise to Elfred before he kills Elfred to protect England from the shadows as an assassin. Oh, that's that's clever. That'd be quite cool. Um, Could? I don't know. I thought more about the um, Celtic one and the Irish one than I did about this because it was just like, oh my god, it's Paris. Oh my god. <laughs> But there was one thing that I thought I had a lead on, but it turned into basically a shaggy dog story. Um, Bringing it back to Memento Gallery, Unity, because there were the three um, kind of dips into the past as the Helix Initiative, initiative, um, where they go to like World War Two and occupied Paris. You go to Belle Epoque and you go to a siege of the Bastille. And I could not remember when that was. And I thought, oh, it could have been, you know, something around this period. I'm not too familiar with this period. I'm... And then I looked it up, literally went and replayed Unity for a bit to try and find out. 1395. 500 oh. years too late. <laughs> too late. Yeah. I don't even think the Bastille was, cre- was um, a thing at this point. Yeah, built the seventeen, the 1370s by Charles V of France. So I was Way. very off. <laughs> Critical research failure on my part, but I, I thought I had something for a moment. I'm kind of like curious. Um, I'm going to have to look it up because I can't remember. But I really remember that the Assassin's Creed Unity had that um, intro screen that could pick different memories. Yes. And I'm sure one of their memories was a Viking or an Irish theme. Oh, let's I, see. I can't remember what it was called. 
because because I know it had things like the um the jazz age person they had oh, here we go known helix memories uh jazz age pirates of nightmares Connor Ezio Osair Bolger Jack de Malay um Shanghai California Gold Rush the Irish War of Independence probably um, wouldn't be the same Hell in Hiberia was the 1919 post First World War War of Irish Independence ah uh, so bladed, we're at a bladed, thousand years too late I did see the Bladed Cross and I always assumed that the Bladed Cross um I, I kind of Emperor Constantine ah damn it see my brain, I kind of just assumed the Bladed Cross could be the Viking Age because of cross, like uh, Christianity and yeah. how popular it was. And there in... is that very prominent hooded figure with, you know, the cross and the red robes and the red hood, and we don't know who they are. And in the Bladed Cross image, there's loads of forest behind it, so I just kind of assumed, you know, yeah. 9th century England. I, know, I can see where your um, thought process was going to, though. It was very. It was a very slow thought process. I'll admit that. Hey, at least you didn't think that the Bastille was five hundred years older than it was. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. I, I, I saw the siege of Paris, and I didn't. Before I even had a chance to think, "Ooh, siege of Paris, what's going on?" I kind of just thought, "How old is Avor? If he's in the siege of Paris in eight forty-six, and that's thirty years, are we saying that Avor's fifty years old in in Valhalla?" Because he can move damn good for a 50-year-old. <laughs> yeah, because even by 50 at that point, Etsy was still kind of my back. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's got to, you've got to start, start slowing down at some point. I don't know, like, imagine a 20-year-old Avor kicking down the doors of Paris and then 30 years later, uh, they're just running around the hills of England like, no care. Like, yeah, cod liver oil, <laughs> girls' wonders. No arch support in the shoes. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. <laughs> it's why they sit down cats all day because they need to work, you know. They're not oh, like they used to be. That parkour, man. You never know. <laughs> On about parkour, someone made a reference and it won't happen, but it'd be hilarious if they did. Is if Avon learned better parkour in Siege of Paris, just like Unity. Oh, I I saw someone mention it on um Twitter, and I'm really sorry that I can't remember who, but it just made me smile. That what if like, I wouldn't see them doing it because it would be a lot of uh, data and changing. And be a lot of um recoding to add in, yeah. But it'd be funny as hell, you know, just like getting some lessons off Arno's future parents, <laughs> his descendants, teach him to bounce around like Paris. <laughs> There was someone, speaking of, like, Unity Easter eggs, because, come on, they're in Paris, they're going to reference something. Surely they oh, can't yeah. reference Jacques de Molay and Thomas Carnelian because that was 500 years in their future. But they could do, like, a couple of things that have turned up, like, the signs and the logos that appear in Eagle Vision that Arno saw in the Bastille. Maybe there's some somewhere in Paris. Ooh. And um, uh, there was someone on Twitter. Um, a I can't remember their full name, but I know it was AKA the Elise guy. I will link them below and the tweet. 
Um, they were like, what if we see references to the Delacers? It's a bit of a stretch considering, you know, bloodlines dying out and stuff like that. But Elise and um, her father were like nobles, so they would likely have had a bloodline sticking around for quite a while. Hmm. That would be an interesting one. I think the only thing I thought about with Unity and Valhalla is the potential of when we get Excalibur. This is going to sound wild, but we can take no, it for it. we can take it to an Isu Forge when Siege of Paris comes out, and we have a, a we have a choice. We don't have to do it because it could be something like this is just a simulation, but we have a choice to destroy Excalibur to make the Sword of Eden that then becomes part of Unity. So that sword that was left for in the um, uh, in Unity was left by Eivor to be guarded. Oh, that's interesting. That is very interesting. I completely forgot that about um about Excalibur. Because <laughs> um, I guessed or I was hoping that about um Excalibur would come in because when I was replaying Syndicate for a charity stream that I was doing for university there was something that comes up after you kill Lucy Thorne. Spoiler alert! But it's um like a map of the UK with Isu sites marked on it, or possible Isu sites. One of them is Buckingham Palace, one of them is Lindisfarne, one of them I assume is Stonehenge from the geography. One is around the area of Giant's Causeway. And mm. the one that I've visited myself so I know it's roughly that ge- geographical area, is Tintagel in Cornwall, which for those who don't know about Tintagel, is very Arthurian legend-centric. It's one of the places where they thought the Knights of the Round Table was orchestrated and sat. Oh, that sounds so cool. And I went um, four years ago. I've been a couple of times, but the last time I went, there were like tunnels and caves beneath it. Ooh. So maybe there are tunnels and caves in Valhalla if they go to Tintagel. Maybe they find Excalibur under there. Have a very Sword in the Stone-esque moment. There is. There is actually... I think what's kind of confusing, and it's a big issue I'm concerned with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, is... There is actually pre-established law around a sword of Eden with Odin. Yes, there's a Norse mythology version of Excalibur, essentially. Which kind of gets tricky because it's been debunked, so it's not possible. So I will note that this has been debunked. Um, apparently this happens in culture where names get passed along. Mm. But Odin, and this is where I'm going to butcher names that I do apologise. Um, yeah, so o- Odin disguised himself a beggar, plunged a sword into a tree called Barnstalker, stating that whoever was able to pull it free would receive it as a gift. Only the warrior Sigmund proved to be able to do so, and subsequently claimed the sword was his own. And then it mentioned something like Clay Cormac seeing Sigrid, his son, with the sword. Which kind of threw me because Sigrid's in the game as Eivor's brother. 
<laughs> but it has been debunked that apparently this couldn't happen, but it, it was part of Norse culture for names of warriors to be passed on as other children's names because Sigrid's dad is. Yeah, the Dead Guy Junior style of thing that you name this person after someone who's died or someone you knew and thought, val- thought honourably of. There are some cont- cultures around the world, I can't remember which. Um, I'm so sorry it is um, that they do something like this because they believe that the spirit of the person who died who had that name is passed into this new being with that name so they're not technically dead to them I think it's something like Inuit cultures or something in like North Canada or North America type I might be wrong I'm sorry if I'm wrong but I remember reading somewhere that they don't feel they're dead because the spirit passes through to the new person with the name. I've heard that before, and I think it just struck me because it does say that in 2012, Clay Kazmarak included uh, Johanna's Gertz illustration of Sigmund approaching the sword in a tree, set in a puzzle hidden with the animus the successor Desmond Miles to find. So, really. I could see Arthur in legend, but I could really see a possibility of what if Sigmund I'm sorry, saw that... Can you hear the cat? It's fine. You can <laughs> You might you might have to quickly cut this bit out, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Alright. Um, Aslan, why? <laughs> I'll leave it in, it's kinda cute. <laughs> um So we're not gonna see uh Sigmund kill a dragon. Uh kill the dragon hmm. Fafnir, or whatever it's pronounced. Fafnir? That sounds epic. But Sounds about right. What if the there is two Sword of Eden? Excalibur from where you're suggesting, Sword and Stone. But what if the Siege of Paris we look for Sigrid's sword? And that's a sword that's passed down to Unity. But what if it's pieces? And you all just piece them together. And then we bring back the forge from Odyssey. Or a forge of that kind. Oh... Then we just put all the pieces of Excalibur together to create this big one huge sword. Tinfoil hat? <laughs> Conspiracies. <Conspiracy>. I... <laughs> this would be intriguing because Darby has gone on record and there's tons of articles where he wants to tie up loose ends of the law. Yeah. You cannot tell me this is not a loose end to the law. Yeah, because like, suddenly it's very a bit the trope I believe was called a big lipped alligator moment where it's suddenly this thing appears it happens and then it's never spoken about again but yeah. the threads are still hanging from yeah we've had the Sword of Eden in a couple of times but some of the pieces of Eden just haven't been explained or we don't know where they've ended up at least with the Shroud of Eden in Syndicate we know that it ended up with uh, Grammatica and then all that stuff that unfolded in the comics where's the sword? <laughs> so where where did it come from? Where did it go? And what if there's two swords? What if there's Excalibur? And what if the sword in Unity is because what if the hidden ones are like, look, we've located this sword of power. We need to keep it away from this cult that is currently trying to take over Paris. What if we use the mayhem of Paris to hide the sword in plain sight, and the Brotherhood of France will keep watching it over it? And I. I have the essential guide here somewhere. I don't know what I've done with it. 
but it lists some of the like elements of pieces of Eden. So some of them have mind control, some of them can help. But the Sword of Eden, when I last checked, had something to do with being able to improve or enhance the courage of the wielder and people around them. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, um, the myth of Arthur and Excalibur sort of ties into that or it sort of has a parallel with it that you know it, it's arrives when it's most needed you don't see it that often but it's almost like a rallying cry to the people of england and britain which would make sense why arthur was such influential as a king because lift of excalibur and everyone's going to bow to your knees because of your courage and determination and we've seen think... similar stuff with staves from in russia and stuff like that so it's happened before or will happen in terms of timeline in the games but what's not to say that Excalibur can do the same thing I think the only confusion you're going to get and I did tweet Darby about this and he did ages ago say I like the idea is Arthurian legends are complicated as heck oh yes Sword in yes, the Stone is both known as a sword in the stone that Arthur picks up when he's a child and or, the lady in the lake yeah when he tries to throw it in the lake it just keeps coming back so, I think for the first time in history, Assassin's Creed can mess around with mythology without breaking it, because you can't break something that doesn't make sense already. Arthurian legend is so complicated, you could add your own to it, and no one can say, well, that's not right to legend, because you can't say what is correct. With Greek mythology, it's A to B. You know what happened. Mm. Arthurian and quite, legend. Yeah, and quite a lot of these early myths and stuff were passed down orally so they were spoken from person to person to person and then at some point written down so what's not to say that one thing happened or somebody else who was there perceived a different thing to happen and then they told different stories that sort of had parallels in them so they could connect and inspire the same story or the same mythological pathway but with two different conclusions or two different starting points that just merge every now and then. Which... Like different translations of Homer and the Odyssey. This may not have been the version that started off being spoken, but it's the version that we got and it's the versions that we get translated and they still do differ. Like Beowulf, mm. I'm reading Tolkien's translation at the moment and they can be so different. Like some of the stuff he says are so different to ones that I've read before. Um, I think a historian talking about Odyssey did mention that in the original Homer's Odyssey, he mentions giant ants in the Peloponnesian War. I don't really remember giant ants in uh, Odyssey, but you know that just kind of proves how legends differ. Yeah, and for the pe- I remember because there was a post on some social media i think it might have been tumblr but the archaeology side and stuff but they were talking about skeletons of animals so things like um dinosaur skeletons and elephants and stuff if you didn't know what the skeleton looked like on an animal before it died to say that millions of years ago this dinosaur died and they'd unearthed it they might have seen it as a mythical creature that would make a lot of sense because there was one skull that looked similar to something which could have been a minotaur, but it was an animal that exists now or had mutate, um, 
evolved into something we see now. But has two eyes, but the skeleton of the skull in particular makes it look like it only has one eye. So you create stories based on what you know and then tell people who add their own bits until eventually it gets written down. It's kind of like what we're doing now. <laughs> it, it, does come with, it does come up with a possible theory that with the way tectonic plates work, with the way uh, geography works, which isn't this show, it's another topic, um, you could have a T-Rex fighting a Barasaur. The Barasaur dies next to the T-Rex, but due to geographical shift, the skeleton and spine merges next to a T-Rex head and you've got a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> or a worm. It's as that simple. Legend. You fill in the gaps in your knowledge with stuff that you already know. So there's this random creature here. Oh, it looks sort of like a dragon in this tale that mum, dad, grandparents used to say. It's got to be a dragon. Yeah, a dragon. When it's just a T-Rex that kind of died eating its dinner. <laughs> Simples. Anything's, anything's possible. And that... You know, we probably won't see anything for the next nine months, as these two DLCs are slated to come out in spring and summer 2021. Which is such a long time away, but we have waited two years for a game. So with this much content, I doubt we'll be waiting for long. Like There'll be so much to get up to. Well, judging how it differs from Odyssey... It's not episodic, it's two great chunks, so I think the time frame from release to the two chunks is perfect because Odyssey only had a month window from that from the game to the first DLC, and I still think that's too much content to get through, whereas this is going for free content for everyone first, then the first season plus expansion. Yeah, and, and it's small again. free content first, so it's easing you into this stuff, and then you can add an extra if you want, if we or if you don't already have it, which I quite appreciate. Because, again, as we mentioned earlier, not everyone has the money to buy three AAA games within three weeks of each other and play them all. So the time of keeping everything different uh, is perfect. Um, I've just realised we've nearly hit the 15-minute mark. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so I think it's time to wrap things up, because this is going to mm-hmm. be the longest episode we've edited. I oh yeah. Mind. I don't know why. But I think it's safe to say that Valhalla is pulling out the stops. This is Ash made a reference last um podcast episode where we took a look at the demo with him. This is gonna be a game we're talking about in five years. It's gonna leave an impression and possible game of the year contention. Definitely. Um you know, there's nothing set in stone. We don't know what Knives of G England's gonna feel like. We don't know what the DLCs are. But we're still talking about it now as if we know and we're hyped. This is incredible for a DLC that's just been teased now that everyone's picking pieces. It's been out for four hours, been five hours, and it's got so (laughs) many people talking about it in such depth already. It just They're doing such an amazing job with the game. Hats off to the hats off to the dev team, hats off to Ubisoft and everyone who was involved it is an amazing welcome back after 24 months of nothing but replaying old titles. I've been playing AC3 too much. It's <laughs> fun. Like, it's so fun and so full of like weird glitches still. But hey, it's another topic. Is your cat, is your cat hungry? Meow. 
Come on, Aslan, please, we're nearly done. <laughs> Bear in mind, guys, I'm not editing this out. Cat noises are hard to find. Find us on Twitter and I'll show you a photo of Aslan, I promise. Well, there you go, guys. Our little gate crash. <laughs> the little gate crash is going to like be the highlight of the show. <laughs> so, this is all we've got time for. Um, I hope you enjoyed, and this will be out... Early access for me on Thursday and should be out by Saturday. So out, it will be out for me whenever it's out, whenever I can edit it in full. <laughs> Perfect. But <laughs> Most likely Sunday, but if it's out earlier, it will be a bonus episode. Ooh. Well, if you, when the Oscar comes out, I'll um, add a link to my Twitter and I'll retweet it as well. Cause... And links to all of my social media and all of Let's Talk's content both their anchor and their twitter and their discord will be in the description below if you'd like to check them out and a bit more and i will squeeze as much as i can on anchor but that thing's really hard to write on <laughs> but all the important details for the rooks archives will be in the tweet that i'm sending out as i'm recording this which officially is now the 20th so we're four days <laughs> We recorded this like five days before the show comes out. Right, so. But, but on the same day, all the content came out, so we're Magic. still. <laughs> it's like time travel. Doctor <laughs> Who. Wibbly wobbly. <laughs> Timey whining. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, so we've got time for guys. We'll hopefully catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>